Next month, on the 14th, I've been a Christian for 37 years. There are times, I'm sure, where I've stepped back and said, hang on God, don't want to do this. Times when I've turned around trying to escape from it. But it doesn't matter if you turn around, God's there as well. <laughs> he brings you back. He doesn't force you, he does it lovingly. Because he's done one thing. He's promised you that he would never leave you and never forsake you. Which is the lead into what I'm talking about. <laughs> the promises of God. What are they? What are we supposed to do with them? What are they designed to accomplish? The promises of God, are, they're little markers in your life that you can reach for. It's not a bribe. God's not trying to bribe you to stay with him. He doesn't have to. His love is enough to do that, to keep you with him. There's something that we as humans are enticed to acquire in our pursuit of him. They're not a, as I said, they're not a bribe. Um, we don't have to physically seek after them ourselves because it's the Holy Spirit in us that drives us forward towards them. And it's not a thing where it's a get-rich-quick scheme or anything like that. It's not going to be whoever's got the most promises at the end wins. It's a thing designed for us as individuals. Uh, the amount of promises I've got probably pale in comparison to the, to the amount that Bernie has. Because Bernie's been doing it a bit longer than I have. But they're just there to help us along the way. It's to show us where we are with God. If we're getting a promise fulfilled, good, celebrate it. Heaven celebrates when you become a Christian. Why can't you celebrate when you win something? <laughs> we need to constantly change our ideas. And when you get a promise, I can guarantee you that you're going to get tested in that area again. It's the same as in anything. Once you win you're going to get tested again and again and again and again and so on down the track. It's not until you're standing before God when God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Hopefully you don't hear the other one, which is depart from me, I never knew you. That would be a kick in the teeth. 
most of the promises that you'll find are written in the Bible. Um, God has given them to many people over the times. Some of them were designed specifically for Israel. Uh, he promised them land. He promised them a future. He promised them this and that and everything else. Some of them were designed for Christians, specifically for believers. We'll get to some of them in a minute. You will find that most of the promises, if not all of them, have a condition attached to them. If you do this, you will get this. It's not something that God's wanting you to fail in to achieve something. It's, it's designed more for testing you, for building your faith. Um, what are some of the promises of God? He promises to strengthen us. Ephesians three fourteen to 16. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of, the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven, heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches in his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So the condition there is that you have to follow him. You have to bow your knee to him. Which makes him Lord. Whatever you bow to is your Lord. If you bow to money, it's not going to win you anything. He promised us rest in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Take my yoke upon you, oh, yet I fall. Those who are heavy and heavy laden and burdened, take my yoke upon you, because my yoke is light. Uh, he's promised provision. Um, if he wants you to do something, he'll give you the money to do it. If it requires money, it may require other things. Um, perseverance, strength faith whatever it is that you need God will provide it now there have been estimates over the time that there are something like 30,000 verses in the Bible that are promises on the other hand you get some people that say that's highly doubtful because there's only 31,173 verses in the Bible and some of them aren't promises. There's a school teacher in Ontario. He spent one and a half years reading the Bible. In that one and a half years, he read the Bible 27 times. A lot of people struggle to read it one year, once in a year. I'll admit, I'm one of them. <laughs> but it's not how often you get through something. 
It's the fact that you do it. <coughs> While he was going through it, he came up with that there were 8,810 promises. 7,487 of which were directed specifically towards humans. God has promised the other things to the earth that it will be sustained and so on and so forth that aren't directly towards us. Um, yeah, so with Israel... Uh, there were several things that he did. He promised them land. He promised them a kingdom through David, which would endure. Um, there were a few hiccups along the line. But then Jesus came, and it has endured since. Um, he promised the promise of Messiah, which just was directly towards the Jews. We weren't promised a Messiah, but we get the benefit of it. He promised a new heart to Jerusalem, to, to Israel. For some of them, it's still being worked on. But it's getting there. Some of the things that he promised us directly as followers of Christ. Forgiveness of sin. He promised us the Holy Spirit to comfort and to help. Eternal life an abundant life, all things pertaining to life and godliness. He promised answers to prayer. If you have an answer yet, keep praying. <laughs> you don't have to nag God, but just keep praying. Um, he promised us a kingdom, which is entailed within his kingdom. He promised the crown of life, a new heaven and a new earth, and a home in, in heaven. He told the disciples that he goes before them to prepare a mansion for them. He wants to live in a mansion that Jesus has prepared. I look forward to it. <laughs> but you've got to remember that the promises of God are unfailing. They will constantly be there. We may fail, the promises won't. They are held by God's oath. He has promised that they will be there constantly and he does not lie. The promises of God are fulfilled in God's timing. We can't rush them. We've got to go through the rubbish to get to the prize actually I heard someone say that um, God's biggest reward for you is just on the other side of your biggest testing so whatever it is stick with it 2 Corinthians one twenty tells us that all the promises of God are centred in Christ and that they are yes and amen. They will never depart. 
they are obtained through patience. Abraham had to wait years before he saw a glimpse of the promise. He died without seeing it fulfilled, totally, but he saw the start of it. That promise that was made to Abraham won't be fulfilled until the day everyone is before God. Yet, even though Abraham didn't see the fulfillment of it, he still believed. He hoped against hope that he would he would receive what God had promised, and it was counted to him as righteousness. We need to hold the promises of God as great and precious. Because if we lose sight, we fall. Like Peter, when Jesus called him out of the boat, Peter walked on water. And then he saw the storm. He took his eyes off the promise. And he started to sink. I don't know whether if he hadn't called out for G- to Jesus to help, whether he would have sunk right down <laughs> or whether he would have bobbled <laughs> to a certain point. Because well, God hadn't finished with him. God still had a lot for him to do. <sighs> there are a lot of promises that are made by God that deal with everyday life dealing with our abiding with him our blessing through him your calling deliverance freedom faith um, faith God himself God's word healing the Holy Spirit inheritance Jesus Christ the miracles that have happened or will happen Obedience, perseverance, power, praise, prayer, righteousness, salvation, the second coming of Christ, service, spiritual gifts, and victory. It's only a few. If there's 8,000 of them, (laughs) I haven't even scratched the surface. What are they designed to accomplish? Promises of God are designed to help us to remember. Uh, Isaiah tells us, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together that we may be justified. Um, This verse, some have said that it's a defense for us um, as to how God or why God justifies us but it's also got another meaning and that is to remind us of the promises of God that we are to plead them constantly before God we have been promised eternal eternal life every time you go to God are you going to go, okay, got that in the bag? 
What's next? No. Because we're human, we have to constantly go to God and say, you have promised. It's just something within us that we have to keep going. Sometimes, as I said, promises of God are written in the Bible. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you get an individual promise from God. Whenever you have had someone give you a prophetic word, I can almost guarantee that there is a promise attached with that. But that is for you personally. There's a lot of things that God has promised me. In four days, my wife and I celebrate 22 years of marriage. God didn't promise that it was going to be an easy road. We've had a few ups and downs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not perfect. She may be, but I'm not. (laughs) But he did promise one thing. He would knit us together as one. But he's not just knitting Sally and myself together. He's knitting himself in there as well. Because it's the three cords of a rope that give it the strength. And that's what we need in our marriage. We need the third person, which is God. Thankfully, (laughs) it's still going. (laughs) (coughs) There may be times where we thought it thinned out, (coughs) but the rope's always been three cords. It's des- they're designed to strengthen our faith. As we see something accomplished in our life where God honours his promise to us, we can look at that and think, I'm not doing too bad. Still got a lot to go. But it's getting there. They're designed that as they're fulfilled to let us, uh, to allow us to accept the things that haven't been fulfilled yet. But to know that God is faithful to accomplish them in us. I don't know about anyone else, but I had a promise from God. Um, this goes back many years. It started when I was two. Seven days after my second birthday, my mother died. And never knew her. Um, didn't don't have any memories of her as such or anything like that. But one night, 
I used to think that whenever someone died, there was a star put up in heaven for them. And I used to be outside of a night time cleaning my shoes for school the next day. And I'd look up and there was this always this one star that seemed to be shining brighter than the rest of them. And I used to think that was mum's star. I don't know which star it was. <laughs> but I just used to ask God. I didn't know God. Wouldn't have known him if I'd tripped over him. I was a little heathen. Grew up to be a big heathen. <laughs> but then I got redeemed. And I used to stand there as I was cleaning my shoes. And I'd ask God to bring mum's star down. Just so that I can see what she was like. Of course, he never did. But one day, um, I was watching a DVD around at the YWAM base in Hobart. Uh, Floyd McClung, Father Heart of God. And God hit me. He started going on about... Um, mum and everything that happened at the time and that I had resented God because he took my mother away never allowed me the pleasure of having a mother he gave me a stepmother but in my opinion who is it, who's ever read a fairy tale like Cinderella or something like that. Cinderella had as a stepmother. Guess how the stepmother acts? Not like a stepmother, but a step witch. <laughs> that is how I perceived my stepmother. Um, there were five kids from dad and mum. She had four kids of her own from a previous marriage. Uh, we got combined. There were two older than me, two younger than me. But it seems to be for her, it was her kids first, then us in descending order. So becoming the youngest of five, I suddenly became the youngest of nine. It gave me a very responsible position at home. Anything went wrong, I was responsible. I spent a lot of time in the bedroom as punishment. That's where I started reading Westerns. <laughs> that was the only books that I could get hold of. And then I went into Charles Dickens and all these others that Dad had lying around. But then one day, I was in Fiji. I was heading up towards Christmas. And... God said to me, I want you to write a card to Carol. It's my stepmother. I said, what? He <laughs> says, yeah, I want you to write a card to Carol. And I want you to apologize for all the hassles that you caused her, for all the trouble, for all the fights, all the arguments, everything. And I was like, but what about all the stuff that she did to me? You know, what about all this, all, this, all this? And I started listing a few things off. God says, I'm not dealing with you. I'm dealing with her. 
And I thought, okay. So I wrote it. Received a card back. And it had in the card, thank you for the lovely sentiment. Sounds about right. <laughs> Doesn't really give you much hope for anything, does it? But then after I got back, I was a part of YOM at this stage. I went back home and Dad had had a strike in 86, just before I became a Christian. And he was, with, he was left with what's called locked-in syndrome. Brain worked, body didn't. Couldn't control any of the muscles or anything like that. The only way he could communicate was, his, was, was with his eyes of going up for yes, down for no. Um, so you had to ask very specific questions if you wanted to talk to him. It was his 50th birthday. For his 50th birthday, we took him out of the hospital to the botanical gardens. And I'm walking around and I'm pushing his wheelchair. And about 15 minutes later, something weird occurred to me. Carol's walking beside me. We're actually talking. We're not arguing. We couldn't have been in a room for more than five minutes without arguing. But we're not arguing. And I look down and the look on Dad's face was just ecstatic. And it's like God said to me, no, didn't do this for you. Fulfilled one of your father's promises. His dad, when he had his stroke, wasn't a Christian. Died at the time, was resuscitated by the ambulance guys. Uh, laid there for five and a half years before he decided it was time for him to go. And his nurse at ICU was a Christian. He used to go to the Baptist church over in um, Bellarive. And she used to go and visit Dad after, the, after he'd moved out of the ICU. And she'd always go up to him and they'd talk and she'd always ask him a question. Do you want to die? He'd always signal no. One day she asked him. He signalled yes. And she said, you know what will happen if you die in the state that you're in. The, an unrepentant state. And he goes, yes. Do you want to change that? Yes. So I have a promise that I'm going to meet my father in heaven. I'm going to meet my spiritual father. I'm going to meet my natural father. But back to mum. She died of leukemia. Uh, she died within a fortnight of being diagnosed. Um, I was two years old. And as I grew up, I was not told much at all. You get old enough, you start looking things up, 
and you find leukemia, a disease of the blood that generally takes about two years from the time that you get it to the time that you die. Guess what? Mum died when I was two, well, on my second birthday. So that means that mum must have got it around about the time that she was pregnant with me, or just after I was born. That's what Satan does. I was responsible for mum's death. That is what he hits me with. Up until my 21st birthday, that is what I believed. Well, not my 21st birthday, but 21st year. That is what I believed. When I was 21, I came up to Mel. I went up to Melbourne um, as part of YWAM to do a discipleship training school. And one of my, bro- one of my brothers was living in Colton. And I'm sitting in his flat. And the conversation got round to mum. And I told him this. I told him this is how I felt. After I'd finished telling the story, he looked at me and said, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. He said, you're an idiot. I said, why? He says, wait here. So he went away. He's really into the whole genealogy thing. He had a copy of mum's death certificate on it. It had what she died of. Leukemia, yes. But it was a rare form of leukemia. This type of leukemia attacks within three months. So the fact that she was diagnosed and died within a fortnight of finding out that she had it had absolutely nothing to do with me. And when I was watching this DVD and all this stuff was going on, the thing that God said to me, I heard the cry of the little boy. I couldn't bring her star to you, but I can bring you to her. So what? He says, when you die, she is going to be here in heaven waiting for you. That is God's promise to me. That is what keeps me on track. That is what keeps me from turning away and going my own way. It keeps me pointed in the right direction because it is a promise to me individually that I am going to meet mum. I don't know how long it's going to be. But I know that God will not renege on that promise. But I have to fight the fight to get there. But he gives me the Holy Spirit to help. So the promises of God are designed for us to meditate on them. To chew them over. To memorize them. To keep them constantly before us. To pray them out. 
That is the important thing. Whenever we approach God, pray them out. Remind him of what he's already done. Remind him of what he is yet to do. Remind yourself that you're willing to go through it to get it. D.L. Moody quoted one time, well, he said something one time, it's become a quote. Let a man feed for a month on the promises of God and he will never talk of how poor he is. Don't you think it's our time to be wise enough to put some of the promises of God on our plate? To chew them over? God is faithful enough to help us accomplish them. He gave us the promises, but he doesn't expect us to do it all by ourselves because we can't. We cannot achieve anything by ourselves. But with the faith in Jesus, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can beat the world. And that is our goal. Our ultimate goal is to beat the world. I'm not talking about the sphere that we stand on. The world that we live in that is always bringing things up to push us down. Um, the world lately has gone crazy. It's gone from being two genders to... Who knows? Anyone that thinks of anything could be a new gender. Um, but God says, no. There's only two. It's a promise of his. Hang in there. Don't let the world get you down. You let the world get you down, Satan wins. There'll be times when you struggle. Invariably, we all struggle. Fight through. Very good, Don. I just want to challenge everybody today to, if you're writing down, uh, write down 2 Samuel chapter 7. It's talking about God's covenant with David. David was a man after God's own heart. Is that correct? He was. And he was, he's going to build a temple for God. And he says that to Nathan the prophet and, prophet, and the prophet says, yeah, just go do it. All that's in your heart, God's going to bless you. But that night, 
God comes to Nathan and said, tell him he's not going to do it. His offspring is going to do it. And Don's been talking about the promises of God, and this is all about the promise that God makes to David concerning his lineage. And there's one thing that whatever, what's name Nathan says to David, David starts to repeat like he's chewing on it, what Don's been talking about, and that's why I mention it. And listen to what he says in verse 27. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have re- has revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house, therefore your servant, David this is, has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. So often we get a promise from God either reading the Bible or we get a promise from God through a prophetic impartation and or and we write it out and we put it in our Bible but really we should pray it through. And that's what David does. The man after God's own heart, he prays it through. He said, I found it in my heart to pray. That is such a powerful thing to do, not just for anybody, for everybody. You receive something from God, you pray it through. 